0: Hi, I'm your host, Brittany Spence, and this is In the Face of Illness. We are a podcast committed to cultivating a greater understanding of the many resources available for families facing childhood illness. Because we believe this is a vital topic of conversation, not only for families in the throes of the fight, but for everyone. Ultimately, we are here to offer hope in the face of illness. Pessie Katz lives in Memphis, Tennessee, and just began her position here at the Forest Spence Fund in August. Pessie has been a longtime volunteer of the fund since she was 12 years old. In June of 2020, she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease after two years of doctors looking for a diagnosis. This diagnosis was just the beginning of her journey of living with a chronic illness. The care and support Pessie has received along the way from her medical team, friends, and family is what led her to pursuing a dream of becoming a child life specialist and helping families alongside the team of the Four Spence Fund. We are honored to have Pessie on with us today. Um, and this is a special treat to us because um, as we send her bio, Pessie has been around um, for about seven years volunteering with us. And so um, I personally have seen Pessy go from a 12 year old middle school student uh, to a beautiful young adult and now work with us. And so, um, it's been such a fun journey to be on with her. So, Pessie, tell us a little bit about um, when your medical journey began. So,
1: in 2018, I was diagnosed with PCOS, which is called polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, I was having stomach pain, um, irregular periods, and other symptoms, um, and so I had gone to a regular doctor's appointment. And I was just telling them my symptoms. They diagnosed me with that. I just went on with it. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, and throughout those two years until 2020, I was in just terrible stomach pain. I was in and out of the emergency room just with terrible stomach pain. And I said to the doctors, like something isn't right. I, this is not This cannot just be PCOS. So finally, in 2019, end of 2019, I had gone to my um, OBGYN appointment, and um, she said to me, hey, I think that you should see a gastroenterologist, because I really think that this is more than just PCOS. I think that this could be something stomach. Um, And I said, okay, let's do it um, I had never had any health issues before this. So she referred me to a GI. I went to the appointment. This was in beginning of June. Um, and they said, let's do a colonoscopy. We need to see what's going on. I had the colonoscopy and they said, um, I had woken up from that colonoscopy, and they said, we think you have Crohn's disease. I was still on anesthesia, Like, I was still waking anesthesia, up. Anesthesia. Yeah. Um, and I had just woken up, and I was like, what is going on? You're, like, telling me things, and I'm still not awake from this. Um, and they said, we're going to wait for the biopsies to come back for the results. That They said it'll take two weeks. Within that two weeks, I was leaving for um, working at like a summer camp thing and I had left and I really didn't want to go because I was not feeling well, but I went. And I said like during that time to my mom, I was like, I really need to come home. I'm not feeling well. Um, and she had called me during that time. I was like in the middle of nowhere. And she said, the doctor's called and you have been diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So, you know, I really remember that call exactly. Um, and it was probably like one of the worst nights of my life, just hearing that. And I had never known what Crohn's disease was, but I also just, it changes your life to like hear what, you finally get an answer to what's wrong, but you also just, you're a little confused. So that just began everything. And from there,
0: different things have come up. And- so tell us about that. So diagnosed officially in June of 2020. 2020- I mean, 2020. Um, So tell us about some of the biggest struggles you've had because of it.
1: The biggest struggles have been, first of all, just advocating for yourself. I mean, I do have a lot of family, but I think that you learn to advocate for yourself because when a doctor tells me something and I'm like, You know, I don't think that's true. Like, not that that's true, but I really think that it's something more, or I don't feel right and I need you to look more into this. Or also, just, you know, I was in high school at the time. And so, you know, when your friends find out that you have a chronic illness and you're sick and you miss school, you know, they're like, I lost a lot of friends from that. So that was one of the biggest struggles, is many of my friends just stopped talking to me or didn't hang out with me anymore because I would have to bail on them or they also just couldn't accept it or didn't understand it. Um, And it was also just, you know, it was a struggle to learn this new life of what having a chronic illness was and having new diagnoses and, you know, the mental health struggles that came with it.
0: So tell us about that. So you've, you've done, um, some, some traveling even to go see doctors in other places because from the Crohn's other things have been affected as well, right? Yeah. So through that I've had,
1: um, right now I'm kind of waiting on a diagnosis for, I traveled to Nashville in September of this year to Vanderbilt for a tilt test for POTS, um, It was about a year and a half ago during the whole Crohn's thing. Um, I was, you know, telling my GI, like, I'm feeling very, like, that I'm going to pass out all the time. And I'm very dizzy and my blood pressure is getting high or low. And they said, you know, we think it could be, well, they first had diagnosed me with tachycardia and just high heart rate. Um, Sometimes it can be normal, but they thought, you know, you need to look, we need to look more into this. So I had... Went to a cardiologist and then they had told me, you know, it could be dysautonomia, which is kind of like POTS, but it, you know, you feel like you're going to pass out. So in, it was during this summer that I um, had called Vanderbilt and I said, you know, the GI thinks that this could be POTS or dysautonomia and I'd like to get into the clinic. I They don't have anybody in Memphis, actually, who there's no POTS clinic in Memphis. So that's why you have to go to Nashville for it. Um, But it takes about a year to get into. So they scheduled the appointment for June of 2024, Mm -hmm. this coming June. Um, And then I had got a call that I would be going this September. Um, and pretty much what this test does is to see how you respond to different, you know, breathing tests or tilt. So they, like, put you on a table and tilt you up and down, see how high your heart rate goes, see how your blood pressure is. Um, and that just sees if you have POTS or not, which POTS, a lot of people, like, pass out from it. Um, so I'm waiting on a diagnosis for that.
0: Um, and that. Is that I, something you're still struggling with as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not as bad um a lot of people i'm not so knowledgeable on pods so much but a lot of people it's not like forever so i i definitely get dizzy often but i never have
0: actually passed out mm-hmm. um but i've had and so your heart stuff ended up being because you were a monitor for a while and stuff
1: yeah okay so that yeah. ended
0: up your heart is fine
1: yeah okay so i still have i'm like on a medicine just to keep my heart rate a little bit lower. Um, and so last August, like a year ago, I was on a monitor, um, for a little bit just to see, Mm -hmm. you know, what's going on. And it, you know, it did see that like my heart rate was very high at times. Sometimes they say it could be anxiety, but you know, they were like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. often that your heart rate's really high. So we think it's more than that.
0: So what are some of the big changes you've had to do because of Crohn's?
1: In the beginning, you know, a lot of people say, like, you need to watch out what you eat. Um, But in the beginning, that was not what I had to do, you know, because when you get a new diagnosis, you know, when a doctor tells you, oh, you need to change what you're eating, like, that's really hard for somebody, especially at my age. So I didn't have to do that then. Um, right now I had been seeing a nutritionist for like three weeks, um, like this current, um, and so they were wanting me to try something called low FODMAP, which is just to see like your triggers of what hurts your stomach. So you pretty much, it's an elimination diet. And then you bring back in certain foods to see what. That's um, what you're currently doing. I was okay until like today. Okay. Um, but. And how did that go? I mean, did that. It was really
0: hard um and I it, I didn't really see any change really so you didn't see any of the things cuz we we saw you as a staff I mean have to eat some of the food that they made you eat mm-hmm. so yeah you never really reacted to bringing in new foods or you did
1: Not really I mean I've always had like you know dairy's an issue mm-hmm. but like some you know they say like garlic and onion a lot of times is hard on your gut but i didn't really see those kind of things and the gi said like let's try it and if it doesn't work then we'll look into something else but like this was the last resort Mm because i he said let's try every like we have tried every single medicine um and it nothing has helped so he said like i want your stomach
0: still hurts just all yeah
1: so in the beginning, I was on when I was first diagnosed with Crohn's, I was on a infusion medicine called Remicade. Um and you go in every 4 weeks and then every 8 weeks for like a 2 hour, 2 to 3 hour infusion and then that was working, but then I was um I was diagnosed or I got psoriasis from it in my scalp and all over my body actually. Um and I had never had that before. So they switched me to a medicine called Stelara which that's supposed to help with Crohn's, but also um, the psoriasis. So that was helping. And it also, technically right now I'm in remission for Crohn's. So they don't see any active Crohn's, but they think that right now it's like the IBD part of it mm-hmm. that's causing the pain. So I've tried like, I tried the Remicade, the Stellara, and then I've tried like actual pills. mm mm-hmm. For the, like, IBS, IBD. But since those didn't help, they wanted me to try this diet. Okay. But it didn't really have an effect on me.
0: How do you, you said earlier about mental health, how do you kind of work on your mental health? I mean, when you are hitting, you feel like so many roadblocks.
1: Um, I mean, I've seen a therapist since I was probably 10 years old since because of like also past things with my family. Um, And she's helped me since the beginning. I mean, it's also good she has her own chronic illness stuff. So she's able to relate to me. Um, And so it's definitely a struggle. I mean, it takes a huge toll on your mental health, anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. um, which it affected me tremendously, um, especially because, you know, you lose friends, family issues and it also just like it's a new life you're living um and you like see yourself differently because you have a chronic illness so you know i've made sure like always to go to therapy appointments like that's really important to do because if i don't then who's gonna support me Mm -hmm. um and then also just kind of you know just staying in check with myself like making sure like am
0: i okay yeah and we both share a very um, self care thing we both like to do. What yeah. is it that we both like to do? We like to get our nails done. We like to get our nails done. So, yeah. Um, Pessie and I always love to uh, compare our nails because that's something <laughs> we both, a self care thing we both enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, that is totally a treat, but yes. something that is, I think, good for yeah. both of our um, self care. So, yeah. um, and I know you have, you're the youngest. Of four brothers. Yeah. Um, and you have a very big, very active family. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I know that that has been a huge blessing as well, being able to support you. But I will just say, you know, as someone who's watched you walk this, I mean, your maturity as a being diagnosed at what, 15, 14, where were you diagnosed? It was 16. 16. Okay. Because even, when when well, was that episode where yeah. I took you to the emergency room, <laughs> the emergency department? How old were you?
1: Um, 14. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, so we even had an episode, is this okay for me to yeah, say? Yeah,
1: I literally wrote it in there. Okay. <laughs> I mean,
0: we even had an episode where um, Pessy was down at the hospital serving dinner with us, and she got severe, severe stomach pain. Or did I think you were having appendicitis?
1: That's true. I thought so. I looked at you and I was like, I think I'm having an appendicitis. And yeah. you're like,
0: what? And and they a lot of times her mother or her or her friend's mother, someone would come, but on this one they had been dropped off, which was fine. And but there was no parent down there with them, and so um, I don't remember if you had any friends down there that time. I don't think so. It was just you. Mm-hmm. So definitely it was just you and I in the emergency department, and so. um We went down, literally at Le left the dinner and went down to the emergency department and sat there um, until her sweet mama could rush down there and be with her. Um, So, I mean, I know, yeah, that's now been five years. If you're 19, that was 14. Um, But your maturity of being able to handle it, um, you know, not we're aware as a staff that it's a struggle for you. We've seen it in regards to. You can't eat all the same food as us. And um, and part of that is also, I mean, if you want to share that as well, I mean, you're also.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm also Jewish, so everything's a little bit different, but. Yeah. Also, some things I can't eat. Yeah. Yeah.
0: A little mix of both. Um, so as a staff, <laughs> we're always trying to kind of figure mm-hmm. it out with, with Pessie. What is because of her um, Jewish background and what is because of the Crohn's. Um, so tell us. You know, I know sometimes, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and and looking back, you can go, gosh, why did it take so long to figure out what was wrong, or, you know, whatever else. But tell us a little bit about maybe some of the blessings, maybe some of the things that have happened because of your illness.
1: Um, I mean, I think that I was thinking about this today, actually. That I think that if I wasn't diagnosed with any chronic illness you know, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, I've learned, you learn like a lot about yourself and the people around you. You learn to appreciate what you have and what you don't have. But also, you know, I've gained like personal strength and um, independence because of it. Um, I also like, you know, being here, working here and also just, you know, I started volunteering at La like on Sundays um, and you see like, you see how other people are struggling and you can kind of relate and say like, wow, I can kind of help them and understand what they're going through is helpful. But also that like, you know, just because let's say like a family member can't understand what you're going through, doesn't mean they don't, they aren't helpful. You know, like if a family member isn't helpful, like I've always struggled with the fact that like, my family, you know, they're helpful. Like, like you said, like I have a huge family. I do. But I have struggle, struggle. Like I've shut people out a lot, you know, because you have family members who will, you know, butt in and be like, well, I think you should do this. And I think you should do that. And, you know, it, in a sense, like it hurt me a little bit, like, wow, like it's, it's annoying, but it also gave me a better understanding of, they just want to help. Yeah. Like, they just, that's all they, they want to well. do. Yeah, yeah. They mean well. Yeah. And um, even like my parents and my siblings, like I'm the only sibling out of my brothers and kind of cousins or family members who has really been sick, mm-hmm. like f- physically, maybe not like everybody's really struggled with a lot of people in my family have struggled with mental health, mm-hmm. but physically like nobody has really dealt with that in my family so it was kind of like a shock like wow like yeah. how are we going to deal with this so I've kind of gotten an understanding of like you know how are they gonna deal with this yeah. and you know it's helped me understand like how a family
0: can really deal with that better. In, in empathize and I feel like you have a strong empathy that a lot of 18, 19 year olds do not have. You are very much, you know, I feel like so many high schoolers and, and early college year kids and early late teens, early twenties, you know, they focus a lot on themselves and they focus a lot on the me mentality of what's best for me and thinking about me. And um, and you focus on you, like you said, you're an advocate for you and you're an advocate for your health and you're traveling to Nashville alone because both your parents work. And so when you're traveling to Nashville and you're going to these appointments and, you know, you're doing these Zoom appointments and all these things alone, Um, but you have such a strong component of just empathy. You really understand um the struggle that, you know, so many of these patients are going through. And I do think that one of the the areas that the medical world is lacking in is teenagers, is is knowing how to help teenagers who have a chronic illness. Um, because I think even more so through COVID, those kids that were in the hospital because they had were waiting on a heart or they had something else going on and they lost the ability to communicate really with the outside world. I mean, it was such a detriment to them Socially, which, like you said, then plays into the whole mental health issue. And so um, I think you just really can empathize with teenagers who their world has been turned upside down by a diagnosis that's been different than you ever imagined. Because in all honesty, as a, you know, 15, 16 year old, 17 year old, you shouldn't have been worried about your day-to-day health, mental health, all of those things. Um, But I know, I mean, it's even affected because really, I mean, if you had not had what you have going on, you potentially would have gone and done a year away, wouldn't you have? Probably, potentially, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even in that regard, like in your um, religion, often people leave and go to Jerusalem for a year. Yeah. but that had an impact on you as well. And so I think you really talking to you at the end of your high school of you going, I got to figure out what's next. And we believed in you so much that we kind of made up a job for you just because we saw, and it, it in the end, we really need this position, but you know, you've always had such a big heart to help others and to give back and, and all those things. Um, what were some, like, what would you say to others going through similar circumstances?
1: Um, I mean, it sounds a little terrible, but, like, obviously that it's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, And even if, like, there's a little ounce of you that is okay and the rest of you is not okay, like, that's enough. Because you just need that little strength to even just wake up in the morning, um people say like, just if you got up today, like that's enough. Mm -hmm. If you just woke up and you sat in bed, then that's, that's okay. Um, Like there were days, like even when I was, when I was in 11th grade, I was out of school for two months because I was so sick. And I, that's when I also learned a lot about myself and the people around me. So I think that, you know, you learn about the fact that, you know, you're going to, You might lose people and you also might gain people in your life. And I gained and I lost a lot of people, but, you know, it's okay. And, you know, to also find the resources in your life and it might not be family and it's, you know, it it might be, that might be hard or it might not be available to some people, but if it's family or if it's a therapist or if it's even a doctor, which is what I had, then that's, you know that's enough mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to be a whole village of people to have which i was grateful enough to have even just one person yeah. Just, yeah yeah
0: and you've really been blessed with an amazing doctor
1: yeah yeah um she doesn't work there anymore but at my gi she worked in the infusion center and i was really sick so she had like come sat down next to me And I really didn't know so much of what she did, but she like sat down next to me and I was just really sick and she just talked to me and whatever. And then more and more she sat down and she then like gave me her office number and I just talked to her and every time she would just look more and more into what was wrong with me. And I just under like I realized like she cared, you know? She realized like there's more to what's going on obviously, like I said, she doesn't work there anymore, but, like, I still talk to her. I still see her. Like, I text her all the time, and she's, like, my biggest – she's, like, a second mother to me. Mm -hmm. Like, she has found things wrong wrong with me in a sense that many people wouldn't have found. Um, And without her, like, I don't – it sounds cliche, but, like, I don't know where I would have been, Mm -hmm. like, mentally and physically, because, like, she kept me going. Um, And – now like even though she's not there like she had told me to go to this new gi the other office and he also like now he in a sense like he's keeping her word like he mm-hmm. literally cares about me so much mm-hmm. and he's making sure like i'm okay yeah. um and so now it's like most people obviously in a sense like i'm lucky but obviously most people don't get that. But, you know, like she literally came to my high school graduation and she checks in on me. So did Marilyn. (laughs) But um, she, um, she checks in on me and she cares and we go out and it's just like, I'm lucky to have that because, you know, on days that I literally thought like, I don't know that I can keep going. It, this is so hard. Like she said, you can keep going. Like mm-hmm. you can do this. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like that was my biggest resource. Yeah, that's amazing. And if it wasn't for your disease, you would have never met her. Right. That's yeah. what I was. I keep on thinking about. Like yeah. how I never would have met her. Yeah, yeah. Um, your
0: past would have never even crossed in any way. Um, is there anything that you would um, – say to encourage other patients that are diagnosed with not just Crohn's, but any chronic illness, especially teens. Like what would be something that you would I know we've talked about some with self-care, you know, if you're a boy, it may not be going to get your nails done, <laughs> but finding something that brings you a little bit of joy and maybe a little bit of normalcy. Um, what's something that you would say to encourage other patients? I mean, you've definitely kind of said find a person, at least one person. Um, I kind of believe the same as you. I don't have just Tons and tons and tons and tons of friends, but I have, you know, a handful of ones that are my, my people, my um, that saying from friends a long time ago, like you're my lobster, you know, just they are, you know, I know that in a heartbeat I could call and say I'm not doing well and they would drop. I mean, one lives in Sweden, one lives in Nashville, one lives around the corner from our office. I mean, they're not just here in town. Um, but I know that they would do anything. And so it's not about the large amount you have. It's not about the quantity. It's really about the quality. So what are some things that you would encourage other patients that maybe have gotten a diagnosis that's just a total change to their life?
1: Um, I mean, obviously the first thing is to check in on yourself. Mm -hmm. And that might be hard because you're, brain is like swarming with diagnoses and you're confused, but I think that's really important somehow. Like every day, maybe just, it might not be get your nails done or, you know, play a video game or whatever it is, but maybe like journal or something, Mm -hmm. write down how you're feeling or just have that there, three things that you're grateful for thankful for i never appreciated that but like my therapist would always tell me like write three things that you're thankful for like it really changes your life like doing that you know having a chronic illness a lot of times you see the negative in life but if you're focusing on things that you're thankful for even if it's just one or one two three things
0: it'll change and it'll
1: make you appreciate a few things
0: there's even a study. I saw it. Actually, someone posted it yesterday. There's even studies that say if you mindfully think about things you're grateful and thankful for, it will change the like your actual brain function. That like things in your brain will change. Um It just was this. Yeah, this because obviously at Thanksgiving, we're all like, what are you thankful for? What are you grateful <laughs> for? But I do think when you're in the hum hums, humdrums of life, you can get away from that sometimes. But I think you're right. I mean, just one, two, three real quick and don't do a but David makes me do it. David literally that. is like, what are you thankful for? Grateful for today. And last Monday he did it. And I was like, Thanksgiving coming. And and then I was like, but I really wish one of my family members was here. And that is how I feel. Right. I'm, you know, it is so sad that I don't have my family here anymore, or my mom, and that none of my family is coming. But I should have just stopped on like I'm grateful for Thanksgiving, um, and so I love that you said that. So just, but actually, like writing it down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Also,
1: you can look back on it.
0: Yeah. Um. See the blessings that are there.
1: Yeah, I think also it might be hard to like reach out to other people. But, you know, maybe texting somebody saying, hey, would you want to get a coffee with me? Or, hey, would you want to come over, bring, you know, uh, you don't say like. bread with me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, you want to make some sourdough? (laughs) Because he makes amazing, amazing bread. Yeah. We can have a class. Yes. Um, Just saying like, you know, hey, can we do something? You know, like I. um, Yeah. Love shopping, but, you know, I try and go places with people. Sometimes it's great to shop on your own, but to do something with somebody else, even to yeah. just go get to a coffee. A, yeah, get yeah. a coffee, go to a park, whatever it is, to just get out or do something in it. Even it, like if you're in the hospital or whatever it is, and you're stuck doing something to just, you know, text somebody, mm-hmm. and that might be hard to reach out to other people, but they might be like, oh, I would be so... I so happy to do that, you know, like it might feel uncomfortable for you to do that, but they'll probably be so glad that you reached out to them, yeah because then they're like, "I would love to help you, yeah, yeah. um, be vulnerable, yeah, like people see, yeah, and also just doing things that make you feel good about yourself, so for me, that has always been giving back to other people. Yeah. um, I've always had the issue of helping others before helping myself, um, so you know, having a chronic illness, you've learned that you need to step step back from helping others a little too much, um, and trying to cure other people and just focusing on yourself, but just doing something that makes you feel good but yeah. to other somebody else. Yeah. So, you know, sending a text to somebody yeah. or, you know, writing a
0: note or you Coming know to serve every Sunday yeah. at the hospital.
1: Or that's yeah. an amazing thing that you do. Yeah. Or you know sending gift card to somebody something small doesn't have yeah. to be money wise but yeah
0: well how are you doing today
1: um i wouldn't say that i'm better um i think that every day is different for me um you know i'm glad that i am have answers to things you know slowly but surely doctors have found more things and answers to things so i think that I am better than I was two years ago, especially mentally. I'm much happier than I was, and I'm happy that I am doing what I am doing today. But, you know, some days are harder than others. Some days I can't get out of bed. Some days I'm in pain. But I think that um, I'm definitely glad that I'm not at the stage where I'm
0: constantly looking for answers. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, Pezzy, thanks for... um, sharing with us your journey i know that's not the easiest thing to do um but our staff we are behind you we love you we love um seeing the difference that you're making in the community the difference that you're making here at the forcepence fund and um uh, we love your personality and your spunk and um, your vest and your sourdough and um, all the many things that make you you, and um, you are so special to us. And um, I know that this is going to be a blessing to others who are listening because I think, um, you know, again and again, when I think about this podcast and I think about some of the things that we do, what people want is to not feel alone, and people want someone else just to say, "Man, me too. I feel that way too. Me too. I." Struggled with that, or I struggled with this, or I'm not alone in my mental health, or I'm not alone and I can't find answers or whatever it may be. And so by you being real and open and vulnerable, you're sharing your story and you're saying to people, me too, you're not alone. So um, thank you for that. Um, and um, are you okay if there's anybody that would want to reach out to you? Yeah, please. Okay. I would love to talk to anybody. So um, she actually controls our social media mm-hmm. stuff. So if you want to direct message the force Vince Fund, um, she will see it. So, um, you can send her a message, not to say that the rest of us don't also look at social media, but <laughs> she looks at it more. So, um, you can send her a direct message and I know that she would love, you can also just email her at P E S I at Um, but, um, thanks for being on and, um, we love you, Pearl. We're Thank so, you for having me. We're so proud of you. And, um, thanks for being a part of our team. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. We hope that this podcast is a resource for you and a source of support. Whether you are facing illness in your own family or want to walk beside other families dealing with childhood illness, we want the stories, wisdom, and knowledge shared to give you hope. Episodes will be released bi-weekly, so be sure to subscribe today.